0: It's not a word, not a word, it can't be used to explain, there I have said it again, The because of all of our confusion, no matter what you think you've heard, it's not a word.
1: G'day, welcome to the AfterJet Podcast, content marketing, what is it and why is it so hot right now? question me, let's talk to people who work in it. In part A, we talk to Misty Amadi who works at IBM. And in the next episode, in part B, I finally shine a light on my co-host David Railing, who explains his take on the subject. And along the way, we'll share some of our stories from Jet, because those things are always fun and unavoidable when you get Jets in the same room. Speak to you at the end.
0: in Kobe 2010 to 2012. Um, I was really excited to be there at the time because they were expanding their elementary school education and I got to do a lot with that which was super fun. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than junior high so I was grateful for that opportunity. After Jet I returned to the States and I decided I want to go back to school so I got my master's in marketing. Um, I'm a California native but now I'm in Austin, Texas. I do content marketing for IBM.
1: So I guess let's move into that. Like, uh, can you explain a, l- a little bit more about your job, like content marketing? So what exactly do you mean, like content marketing? I get content and marketing, but...
0: Yeah, yeah what does it mean together, right? Yeah. I would say content marketing is one of those like super hot buzzwords in the marketing world right now. Um, all the companies are trying to hire content marketing Uh, in some capacity and so at IBM what it means is when we develop assets that go out digitally or for events or for other types of consumption, um, I'm in charge of developing that content. So writing, giving design guidance to agencies and having it all come together for my team and then helping put it into market. So we look at the high-level strategy and then decide what type of content we need to create around executing that strategy to get into market. So I do anything from like white papers, which are, you know, they can come from the analyst or can be very product heavy, to video content, to infographics, and in particular I do a lot for social media and blog writing as well.
2: What kind of um, social media content have you done recently?
0: Yeah, so I manage um, for my team our Twitter handle, so I'll write a lot of content for Twitter. It's at IBM underscore ECM. I also am the blog manager for our blog as well, IBM ECM blog, and so I write content for that monthly, if not more. Um, I'm really lucky where I get to do a lot of event coverage as well, so that definitely gives something really interesting to write about where you're like, we're at this event, this is what we're excited about, or this is why you should come to the event. Um, So it definitely breaks up the content writing about our particular solutions or a particular industry, it, it, I'm really I get the opportunity to write from a lot of different viewpoints.
2: IBM seems like such a massive super company. What's an average day like that and what it, what, it, what did you think a day was going to be like going into IBM? What is it actually like? I'm just kind of curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. IBM employs over 400,000 people around the world and so expecting, going in I was like I'm probably going to work with people from around the world, I will probably write a lot of emails. And that was kind of like the extent of kind of what I was prepared for. Um, IBM has different hubs across the United States, and Austin is a marketing hub, which is why I got hired in Austin. So I have, you know, a good group of people around me, but they aren't necessarily on my team. So that was really interesting. Um, A lot of people I work with were on the East Coast, California, India, Europe. Um, But... My day-to-day friendships and people I go to for advice are not on my team, but maybe in the same role or a similar role that my teammate might have who's just not there. So that was a big adjustment. Also, how much time I would spend on conference calls came as a surprise and has really taught me a lot about how much I value that face-to-face interaction. So if I meet with people, I have the opportunity to meet face-to-face with my teammates, I take it as much as I can, because I really value that type of communication. So IBM's great for that reason, though, because I can be pretty flexible in my hours. Um, I can work on East Coast time. I can stay to Central time. I can walk away from my computer and take a doctor's appointment, no problem, because my management isn't here. They just trust me to get my job done at the end of the day, and I really like that Mm, a lot. So, you know, day to day emails, conference calls, as a content creator, I could have, be conversing with an agency via phone or email. Um, I always set aside so a block of time for writing and editing. Um, and since I edit a lot of content on our team, I have to really consciously block out periods of time where I won't be interrupted so I can edit, copy. Um, and same goes for writing. I like to write in coffee shops or basically not my office or my apartment. Mm. So I consciously say, you know what? I have a break. I'm gonna mm. get in my car. I'm gonna drive here, and then I'm gonna go right for two hours, and then I'll come home and take my last call of the day. One of the things you can have to master at IBM, and I can't say that mm. everyone has. Mm. No hate, but um, understanding like what's important that that can be communicated via email versus like what needs a phone call, because mm. you know everyone's time is really valuable and. Since our team is so spread out, I do spend most of my time on the phone. So sometimes mm-hmm. certain asks are much better to be emailed. Or we have like an instant messenger system, like instant message me that. Like you don't need to call me and get me on the phone for half an hour for this mm-hmm. ask, or another ask, rather than send me a 10 page long email. If you picked up the phone. Yeah. All this is- two minutes, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I noticed that anything that goes along, especially with the marketing it's a little tip that I found, is that after you make these phone calls to make these decisions happen, you always, or at least is what I experienced the past couple of years, I always send a follow-up email saying, just to confirm, we'll be doing this. So <laughs> there's a paper trail, and then that way, if they don't respond or they say yes, then I'm good. You know, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, but that's a tip I wish someone would have told me outside a jet, just because, like, I'd have a phone call a conversation. I'd go do something, and then someone would say, oh, that's not what I wanted you to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. We hired three juniors in the office, and, and they always come and, to me and say, oh, what do we do with this? Like, What does the client want, and how do I interpret this? And I said, dude, you're the first point of contact. They actually sent an email to you. What makes you think I know what they want when I haven't even read the email? I keep saying, give them a call, give them a call, give them a call. Yeah. And they're all like, I have to talk to some scary person. What if they don't like what I said? I can guarantee you they're not going to yell at you, okay, because this is a professional, yeah. a professional thing. <laughs> just talk to them. Find out the answer.
2: But again, that's a good advice to that. I have just any kind of Jets in looking for jobs or working on the job, apprehensions, like, because you don't really do that much, Jet. Don't be feel afraid to ever pick up the phone and call, whether it's someone to network with, future employer, or at your newfound awesome job, just, just call if you have to
1: in any situation. Yeah. Did you have an interest in technology? Like, Did you have like a prior technical knowledge, or was this like, all on-the-job training, that sort of stuff?
0: Great question. Um, so my undergrad degree is from UC Berkeley, so I was in the Bay Area of Northern California for a while, and that's obviously Silicon Valley, a big tech hub. So I was around tech a lot, but I didn't actually really consider a career in tech until after I came back from Japan. So mm. a lot of my learning was very much on-site, um, IBM has access to amazing thought leaders in this based analyst relations. Um, and so the first few months on the job is just being like, what does this acronym mean? What does this technology mean? How do these pieces come together? What engineer will talk to me about this um, type of learning? So looking back at especially the first type of stuff I wrote or the first projects, I definitely had to step back and be secondary, or you can see that it's so high level that it could apply to almost anything. But yeah. now over time, as I've gotten to know, I can get a little bit more deeper and more technical.
1: How long have you been in your position for now?
0: A little over a year and a half.
1: When you say like, you had to step back and just ask a lot of questions, it reminds me a lot of like, my experience on JET. My Japanese language was like non-existent when I went.
0: Yeah, JET definitely, I think, humbles you in that sense. Like, even if you came fluent in Japanese, like, you still were going to come across things that you didn't know there. I, I was like you, I didn't know any Japanese when I stepped foot there, and Jet just humbles you to be like, okay, um, I need to survive, I need to do my job, like, I need to ask questions, I need to show that I don't know something and it's okay.
2: Like, even I had some Japanese in university, but... It doesn't add up to anything. So you can't understand what your ninety-year-old neighbor is like. Kind of, is she yelling at me? Is she complaining? Why is she handing me this giant kiffing that looks like a carrot? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. So, did you? So did so did you? Were on the jet for two years? You said. And then mm-hmm. after that, did you dive right into a master's? And then from there.
0: IBM. Um, Great question. So I studied for both the GRE and the GMAT, which are two tests that you have to take in the United States to get into graduate programs while I was in Japan, um, because I knew I wanted to go to grad school. But I actually took a year off when I returned. Hmm. I went back to my family's place in California. Um, I worked retail. I also traveled for a few months through Europe um, while I applied to grad school. And then Got into the program, did the program, and from the program went to IBM.
2: Uh, so, so you you didn't like let, have a landing jet where you're It's like I gotta find a job. You're just like oh I'm taking a year off.
0: Yeah, and I know that not everyone has that, that situation, and I definitely feel lucky that I was able to to come back to my family and kind of take it easy. And they knew that I wasn't done traveling, and I'm still not done traveling. So. I, you know, they're like, why don't you work and put, like, some money towards grad school and then maybe some money towards a backpacking trip. And I was like, that's a great idea, and it'll help me clear my head and, like, make sure that grad school was right for me. I didn't want to jump in right away um, without being 100% sure that this was the direction I wanted my career to go.
2: How did you feel before leaving JET? Were you confident in your decisions? Did you have it all laid out, or did it just kind of come together as you went along? <laughs>
0: Oh. <laughs> a little bit of both. Oh, God. it It's just a wave of emotion, right? Like, um, I joined Jet right after undergrad. So, like, undergrad, you have, like, a cohort, and you're like, these are my friends. They're all built in. And then I went, like, to Jet, and you're like, these are my friends. They're all built in. Like, I have a community. And then, like, leaving that for a while was really hard. And that was what I was really nervous about was kind of going home and being, like, how do I make friends again? How do I keep that network alive? Like, will people be interested in me because I don't live in Japan anymore? Like, am I boring now? Um, that was I was kind of stressed out about. But I, I knew I wanted to get into grad school, and I, I felt that I had done a lot of my research, and so I felt confident about making that step towards continuing my education. Um, especially because I was applying for jobs from Japan, and a lot of the response I was getting was like, "Ah, oh, you don't." So maybe I should explain. Um, I studied education and psychology, mm. um, in undergrad because I wanted to be a teacher. In Japan, me <laughs> realized that maybe I don't want to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I really like teaching, and like I love being a mentor, and I love like. I was a TA through all of grad school, but I was like, maybe full-time this isn't right for me. Um, But I knew marketing was my other hobby and my other interest, and that's why I wanted to continue in marketing. Um, And so I had done a ton of research on masters in marketing programs, and I felt pretty confident that that was going to be right for me and that out of all the programs I applied to, at least one would give me a pity entry at the very least. Um, So I felt good about that, but then Yeah, I kind of had that year in between where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, will I look back on this year of my life and think that I wasted it or did I think that I did a good job? And (laughs) I think I needed it. I needed that year away and to kind of decompress from Japan as well.
1: Yeah, in the last podcast uh, we were talking about this, our mental headspace after leaving Japan the adjustment, the reverse culture shock, that sort of thing, you know?
0: I feel like hearing as people leave that people need to hear that, and it comes from other jets that you left with. Like, they'll always be the one or two that are like, well, I jumped back into this high-power job really quick, and it's all rolling in place, and I bought a house, and you're like, oh, my God, how'd that happen? I'm still, like, barely living off the minimal money I saved in Japan in my parents' house, like, <laughs> but um, I, so... Kobe was really cool that there was about 100 ALTs at any given time just in the city, um, which I know is not the norm. So I feel that we had a lot of, I had a lot of people that were at varying stages of leaving. Like, they had been gone a few years. They had just come back with me. Um, so that was really comforting to be able to, to kind of reach out and see that, okay, like, a lot of people went back to school. Okay, that means I can do it too. Or, okay, these people went and were a barista. That's awesome. That means they got a job. Maybe it's not what they want, but they got a job. I can get a job too.
1: <laughs> if for somebody you know, looking to think, looking to uh, decide what they could do in their time off after Japan, like you know, how, did, how would you advise them to think about arriving at whatever, whatever decision, be it another change in career or study to get another kind of career?
0: Great question. Um, so. I think, especially that first year you're in Japan or, you know, the first six months, whatever, you're just so enthralled in the whole experience that thinking beyond Japan seems impossible. Mm. And I you need to actually treasure that, like, live in the moment and just be like, I'm living in a new country, like, be it your first time or millionth time there. Um, but once you kind of get over that hump, what I did was I realized I had a lot of peers that were either teachers teachers before they came to Japan and mm-hmm. so they really were talking about Japan is like a stepping stone I want to be a principal or I want to come back and be an educator I need to go back to school so I can get my master's degree or an additional degree in education and they would sit and talk about like theories in education or how to start a charter school and I had studied education so I was like oh yeah perfect I'll join in these conversations and over time I realized I wasn't as excited as they were. It was kind of like a rude awakening. I was like, well, I like teaching. I like helping people, but I'm not as excited as you are about it. And I just was like, what am I doing in my spare time? You're looking up theories in education and Ph.D. programs in education. What am I doing? And I would, you know, (laughs) look through my history on the internet. And I'm like, oh, okay, watching YouTube videos, I like, can't do anything with that. Like Going on Facebook, can't do anything with that. Okay. You know, uh, maybe now you can, right? Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm looking at marketing trends. I'm like, this is so weird. I'm looking at what companies are expanding into Europe that are US-based. What, like Uniqlo was starting to come to America for the second try around that time. And I was just so enthralled by their marketing that they were doing and I was like if this is what I'm choosing to do when I come home at night this probably means I'm interested in it so what I started to do then was reach out to people um, on LinkedIn and through my friends and said hey do you work in marketing can I talk to you about what you're doing in marketing and even if it just was like an email exchange it just more and more conversations validated that that was my interest. Was marketing. I liked those conversations more than the conversations about theories and education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had taken a couple classes in undergrad about marketing. Thought they were super cool. Was kind of using that as my crutch. And then, as I was looking at jobs and talking to people about applying, they were like, "Oh, like Jet's awesome. Like you have this great experience, but like." it's not really a corporate job. It's, it doesn't tie to marketing. Um, Here's some ideas on things you can do to get better at marketing. You know, start a blog or I applied to um, other kind of non-master degree but other type of ed- continued education marketing programs to just to see if I could get in as an option. Mm. Um, and when I was doing those projects and talking to those people, that's how I knew that I had to switch into another career field,
1: mm-hmm. um, and so those projects were done after after jet or during jet? during jet during jet during jet. Oh wow, well done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I another thing that was like super dorky. Um, we did have a lot of people studying for the GRE around the same time, so it was nice to have that community. And even though like I was in Kobe and my friend was in Kanazawa, like. We were still studying for the GRE together and it just was good to have that support. I was getting like really excited studying for it. I was like, oh, this is so cool, like yeah, this really sucks, and I'm not gonna go out for the next three weeks until I take my test. But I'm excited because this means I'm taking a step towards my future. And like those just kind of validated that I was making the right decision. I mean, testing is a whole different subject. I mean, talk to anyone who works in education. They'll have their own opinions about testing. But um, for myself, I thought it was a great opportunity for me to show my potential. I didn't have a background in marketing. I had done, like, a marketing internship in college, and that was the extent of marketing on my resume. So I was like, if I could show that I could score well on these tests, I could be competitive, and I could at least maybe get my foot through that screener like that online screener and then meet in person and say with the admissions advisor like I know I don't have marketing experience or you know another experience but like let me tell you about jet let me tell you about other things that show mm. you that I would be really successful in this program
2: A capable and intelligent person it's always about busting through the um, the yeah. online gateway and, <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. <laughs> gateway
2: and making it to whoever the face-to-face moment, yeah, yeah, that's really exactly. it. So, what advice would you give for someone wanting to jump into marketing, I would ask you?
0: Ah, that's like from, cool. from Jet or?
2: Yeah, since it is Jet, yeah, that'd probably be Yeah,
0: coming from Jet, um, I think we're in a really cool time in marketing and there's so many online publications and resources that you can get for free or pretty easily um, like Fast Company or these different um, blogs that different companies are putting out. Um, In particular for content marketing there's like Contently, um, Influence & Co. Just start following them and reading them. Um, The biggest thing is to understand the lingo I think that the industry is using. Um, And that's free. That's you can do on your own time, you can do it on your cell phone. Um, And so once you start getting comfortable and understanding what's going on in marketing. um, I really suggest reaching out to people. LinkedIn, not not endorsing or publicizing the company, but um, you can sign up for a free pro account and get the emails. And if you find people that you like or you're interested in at companies doing things that you think are interesting, send them as heartfelt as you can a message like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in jumping into marketing. I'd love to learn more about what you do and for Mm. every five or six you send out you maybe are gonna get one or two responses Um, it's better if you have a connection you can say like oh Joe works at Amazon too and he said he'd be great to talk to you like that's a million times better but if you don't have that um, just start sending those messages out and I promise you'll get one or two people who are willing to do an email exchange Mm. or a phone conversation and I just say be as earnest and be as honest and say like I'm not looking for a job, but just let me learn about the industry, mm. um, what's going on, what's common. If you know you want to get into tech or if you know you want to get into retail, focus on that. Um, and so that's one step. If you want to get into like social media marketing or anything that has to do with content, I would definitely recommend get on Twitter. Companies love Twitter. Um, Personally, you know, I could go either way as a personal branding element, but companies love Twitter. They want to see that you're engaged, that you're tweeting at companies, you're talking about the Olympics, you're talking about the Bachelor, like you're being talking about technology. Tweet, get a following. That's impressive. Companies really like to see that. Um, if you want to write, start a blog. Mm. They can blog about Japan. Like, oh, my God, like that's so interesting. Take some photos, write about it. Make sure it's cohesive. Build that brand while you're in Japan. Um, And that's been one of the most impressive things. Um, And one of the most interesting things that's come up in interviews since Mm -hmm. I've left, Um, looking at marketing jobs was, okay. so this job requires some social media writing. Can you show me what you've done? And -hmm. if you haven't worked for a company, you can say, well, here's my Twitter handle, or here's my blog, or here's my Instagram, or whatever you want to use professionally. Um, It shows that you're serious. Yeah. So that's free. You can do that while you're in Japan. You don't even have to wait till you come home to do that.
1: Okay. Would you be open to say if someone decides to follow your advice and contact you for advice?
0: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I've spoken to Jets returning and I, I love to talk to them. Um, I was there. I wish I had, had more resources to talk to when I was leaving. Um, one of the biggest things I remember someone reached out to me and said, I think I'm going to go into engineering, but I think I'm going to leave JET off my resume because it doesn't relate to engineering. And it was like, so you want to have a three year gap mm. on your resume just mm. because you think it doesn't tie in? And I yeah, think
2: that's a, that's a pretty big gap. I mean, you can get yeah. by in six months or even a year or two, but it's three years. Yeah,
0: like no, let's talk about this. And, and, but like I said, I think Jet was working on getting those resources available while I was getting ready to leave, but I didn't know how to leverage them. So I would love to talk to people.
2: I was Okay, so if someone wanted to get into content marketing, I guess from the outside, did not want to pursue a master's degree, would you have any advice for them there?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, because I like... The, stumbled into it, like even with a master's degree, and they kind of were like, this is your job now, and I was like cool Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But going back to kind of what I said about like blogging or writing um, for Twitter or for LinkedIn you can blog on LinkedIn Um, it's just a good way to kind of build up a writing portfolio, content they want to show that you can tell a story the Mm storytelling huge Um, and if that's through blogs, through photos, with long Instagram captions, just something that you can show a potential employer is really really key for content. Um, I've never freelanced but I know that a lot of people will choose to freelance and that's another great way, um, especially if you have great knowledge in an area, like somewhere that you had worked before or if you want to write about living in Japan and you know, write for other blogs to publish on your behalf. Um, content is really about that storytelling, captivating an audience. Yeah, I think that'd be great, especially if you do your own blog and you can monitor. Um, like if you have a call to action or a click, you want people to go to your YouTube channel or you want people to go to something, and you can say, I wrote this blog about uh, registering for this JET event. And I got a thousand people to view it in two weeks, and from my blog alone, we got seventy people to register um, out of a total of three hundred people. Like that's a huge thing mm. that you go know and show an employer, and that's not necessarily a job that you had. That was you having the on jet, you know. And having
2: that number, I think you know, the word yeah. quantifiable, like. Yeah or results to support your claims of how awesome you are he usually helps. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, like, and it's great. Um, I'm all about those free things, because like, I know not everyone can have the capability to have access to, like, IBM has all these tools I can use for free, right? So not everyone can do that. But Twitter analytics is completely free. You can see your tweet reach. Uh, WordPress is very minimal. Type of blog statistics that you can Google
2: Analytics is free, yeah.
0: yeah. Google Analytics is free too, and like you said, you just need to get those numbers out there, wave them around, and get excited about them.
2: It's not a
1: word. It's not a word. Hope you enjoyed that. Great discussion, lots of awesome insights, and advice from Misty, was absolutely fantastic to speak to, and generous. She's happy to provide some mentorship and advice to anyone who needs it. I'll post her LinkedIn profile in the footnotes. We'll be continuing in the next episode with David Railing. Until then, bye-bye.